0: Not happen for an age. What's that? It is a gathering.
1: Hello, and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-earth podcast, all about the Middle-earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, and this is episode. 69 insert inappropriate joke here am i right am i right welcome to the podcast and actually i think this is going to be uh dare i say an interesting one we have more stuff than you could possibly throw at a podcast uh in stuffed into this one and um, there's emails and stuff that, uh, that thankfully we've um uh, settled the whole 3d printing uh thing uh, that was all uh, all very well and truly dealt with in the previous episode, but there's still some amusing comments uh, to talk about. Um, I'm looking ahead to a tournament, and I'm also looking ahead to more tournaments uh, throughout the podcast. We're calling it Event Moot because, um, well, if I'm honest, um, there's there's some big events planned next year and, uh, and in, in the coming uh, episodes, uh, so I'm just very excited to have a look ahead uh, and get a bit more of an insight into potentially how the tournament cheat... Uh, Tournament scene is changing here in the UK, um, from you know where the Great British Hobbit League began, um, you know a sort of a, a loose collection of people who were very passionate about keeping the game alive, to a, a sort of hardcore. Uh, nah, that's not probably not true. A competitive scene um, developing because th- basically because the the scene is now so large, it can allow for the fluffy fun tournaments that involve lots of people um, having a great time and uh, bringing silly lists. And- and just generally relaxing, um, and to also having the the big, hard hitting, heavy uh, uh, competitive events where you know people are really trying to win the big books. So um, it's great to see it because you know you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do that in a scene that's small. And uh, SBG is growing; it is becoming more popular, perhaps because of three D printing. But we won't go into that again. So um, yeah, really excited about this podcast. And if that is not enough. And I don't think it is, personally. I, d- I, think, I think we need more, because we're not travelling to an event uh, again, so apologies about that. But uh, uh, essentially, we are going to have some scenario plays. That's right. Do you remember a time gone by? It was in 2020 uh, when the Quest of the Ring Bearer was released. Essentially, uh, Tim Elvis, who I think has now been on every uh, episode of the podcast in the last three or four um iterations but anyway local tim um he has uh, he he and i played through some scenarios we called it seen unseen scenarios essentially we had a bit of a chat looking ahead to the scenario uh, and then we had a post scenario review just to see whether we were excited to play it then we played it and then we thought you know review it afterwards because then you get an idea of what our expectations are and whether they were dashed uh, raised or dashed quite expertly or not so uh, there you go that's coming up on the episode we'll also hear from uh, another moot regular um, Will Champion uh, in an interview I did quite some time ago about his um, event at Seventh City Collectibles Or oh, it's not actually technically there it's um, actually at a hotel near Derby or in Derbyshire anyway uh, called Risley Hotel it's the Grand Prix uh, we'll talk a bit about that and about how uh, tournaments are changing and as I mentioned the, the final event move uh, part of the podcast is Dave Nolan Dave Nolan is uh, a guy who I, I, he's been around in the middle of the strategy battle game scene um, the GBHL scene for many many years Um I don't want to try and age him here but um, he was uh, a winner at the Grand Tournament and Throne of Schools and those sorts of things early on he was you know top tables of the um, GBHL in uh, the early years and he's certainly been a top table fiend for many years and out of that uh, was born something called the ETC which you may have heard whispers about if you're if you're a regular tournament goer you might have heard about it you might qu- vaguely understand what it is uh, it's now turned to the WTC if you're a competitive gamer from uh, across Europe um, or the UK, then you may have heard it. I think it takes in other countries from around, uh, from the Americas and, uh, and and so on. Now, so it's become a thing, and I'm basically, I'm not, I'm not allowed in it because I'm not good enough. Um, so I didn't really know what it's about. Uh, so I wanted to talk to Dave Nolan about that, and uh, he is planning some quite uh, extravagant things next year not for the WTC but for some other stuff so we'll get all that into the podcast and hopefully provide a a nice rip-roarer of a episode Uh, very excited we'll also find ourselves a new riddle in the dark because it seems that that's fallen by the wayside so we'll smash another one of them in and we'll have a cracking good time. So, what I'm going to do, um, the the sort of higgledy-piggledy nature of this, um, usually I'd, I'd go straight into an army list right now. We've done army lists. Um, uh, well, we don't need army lists, sorry, because we've got the uh, the scenarios. We're not playing. Uh, 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 we're not playing the, uh, the, the sort of matched play today. It's all uh, uh, thematic play or open play or whatever it is. Scenario play. Um, so we'll we'll basically. Uh, uh, rip up the whole usual schedule and get straight into uh, an interview with a tournament organiser and planner then we'll do some riddles then we'll uh, get to uh, scenarios and then we'll go back in so we're going to open the episode talking about um, the Grand Prix Uh, this is an event uh, as I mentioned organised by Will Champion uh, of Seventh City Collectibles fame he's uh, been a regular on the podcast not only because he wins a lot of events uh, the league twice uh, and also hosts a lot of the events near me, um, so he gets a lot of airtime, and rightly so. He's a good guy. He's a great organ. Uh, so he's a great guy. He's a great, great tournament organizer, uh, and and he's uh, yeah he's always willing to chat, and it's always good banz when we get him on. So, uh, without much further ado, let's have a bit of a chat with Will Champion about what exactly is the Grand Prix. <laughs>
2: Back once again, like the renegade master.
1: <laughs> you you join us again on this big event that you're organising uh, a GBHL 100 pointer event. So this is competitive stuff. Um, it's the Grand Prix, and and I competed in the sort of the guinea pig version earlier on uh, in the year and ended up winning the the second pod. Um, so I got myself a ticket. But just just for people who are the uninitiated what exactly is the Grand Prix and and how is it different to other GBHL events?
2: For oh, sure. So the Grand Prix um, is, is my baby. Um, my sort of aim is to run the most competitive singles event available, um, uh, particularly in the GBHL, maybe one day in the world, like who knows? But like that, that's my dream. Um, so the idea of this event is that we offer very very big prize support we encourage players of all abilities to come and play but particularly the more competitive ones and we have a specialized format that is aimed to be sort of as balanced and fair to make sure that the person who wins is 100 the best person in the room um we did a little guinea pig as you said um where we ran it out Seven city we've only got a capacity of 40 but it was just sort of make sure the concept works and people absolutely loved it it's the best feedback we've ever had for an event so i thought okay let's go bigger so now we've we've you know got an external venue we've got 100 tickets available so bigger better um maintaining like our you know high standard and quality of event is you know is the dream
1: and and you mentioned there the the format you touched on it a little bit but uh, how how is this event constructed to make it the most competitive you possibly can achieve?
2: Sure. So we're kind of borrowing a lot of concepts from um, TCG tournaments. So things like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon, where day one is like an open. Um, so that will function in the way that most people who have been to events will know. Um, so you'll play your four games and it's Swiss ranked. So winners play winners, losers play losers. And you're trying to hoard as many tournament points and you know victory points, whatever the tiebreaker is, as you can. So day one would look like any normal event. And then at the end of day one, um, we bracket people into pods. So the the dream scenario for any player is to go four wins um, and they will end up in the prestigious top eight. Um, and that is the top pod. And everybody else from their Swiss rankings will be divided into pods of eight or 16, depending on how many tickets we sell. Um, and then for day two, you will play... Um, within your pods to win your own prizes. Now there's some slight variations um, between each pod, but going for the top eight because that's you know that's the the dream is you will play um, knockout games um, against other people in the top eight to get one true victor at yeah. the end of the at the end of the day. Um, within those games, you will have um, what's known as a veto system um, to make sure that you're playing. A vaguely balanced scenario um, you know, to make sure that someone doesn't get contested championed off the table against Sauron. It's sort of, it's still a random element. It's still going to be a random pull because that's how our our game system works. But you still have an, an element of control of sort of at least getting rid of your worst scenario. Um, and and the idea is that if you have a bit of control over the scenario and within your pods you're playing against people of a similar ability, we will find the best player in the room and that'll be awesome and they can win a smile which is you know hella cool but what that also allows you to do is for day two even if you didn't make it into pod one and you weren't as successful as you'd like to be you get a clean slate and a chance to win something um so you could literally go zero and four day one and yeah you'll end up in the bottom pool with people of similar ability but you still get a fresh you know a fresh crack at trying to go home with a prize which people absolutely loved last time Mm. So despite the fact that I'm aiming for the the most competitive event possible in the formatting, it's still, you know, incredibly social um, and it gives everyone a chance to win something on day two. And there's no, you know, for this event, there's no such thing as mid-table obscurity, which, you know, is really cool, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to ask about that. Does this this idea of selling it as the most competitive event you can possibly do, it, I, I think in many ways, certainly from the one that we did, um, it, it could be a, a disservice. It could put people off. But actually, because you're going to be matched against people largely of your same ability on day two anyway... Um, it it can end up being a really fun uh, experience as long as everyone goes into it with a with a mind to try and winning win their games. You know, not uh, not aiming purely for for fluff because that might end up resulting in a slightly disappointing weekend. I suppose.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, it it may be, you know, a little bit off putting for some people when I when we're branding it as the most competitive event ever. Um, but that is the that's sort of referencing the chassis of the event The the format itself is designed to be the most competitive way possible, you know, while keeping the variation of Middle Earth that we love.
1: I suppose, um, I suppose in but, some ways it's more that it's it's catered to ensure that the winner isn't isn't some randomer who got lucky or, or, or something like that. It, it It doesn't mean the games necessarily are going to be bad experiences
2: no absolutely um so i mean on that point the level of uh, i mean the positive feedback we had from the last one was was phenomenal um and we only had i think it was 36 attendees so you know it's not a monster event but everybody that came had an amazing time and also the top eight um you know i gave them a a a fair talking to before the, the day two started of like you know these are my expectations i Expect everyone to play fair. Um, The rules packs, you know, talks about um, time wasting. The round times are incredibly generous for the the points limit. I think it's two hours 15 for 600 points. So the game should come to an actual conclusion. Um, But I can say it was without a doubt the easiest event I've ever run. There was very little to no um, TO calls. Um, There was no like arguments, nothing. And I think it's because everyone's put into brackets with equal level players and because the time limit is so generous there's not that kind of like anxiety of you know i need to get another turn or you know they're taking too long checking this all of that was just dissipated so even the most competitive players on the top tables had time to just think about what they wanted to do and and got to crack on um so even the most competitive players were there were still more relaxed
1: than I've ever really known them to be. Yeah. Um which which kind of proves that the concept worked, which I really liked. I suppose this one it's slightly different uh, for you in the sense that it's not at um 7 City Collectibles although it's run by the the shop. And it's going to be at a hotel so it's got that whole kind of event vibe as well. It's something like Ardecon has its big hotel and and Interwest has its sort of own little cafe area and all these sorts of things. It feels like a a step up for you, I guess
2: absolutely yeah um and you know from a business point of view we'd like to compete with the best of them no one can say that articon isn't an absolute you know behemoth of an event into the west i mean fast games is a really cool shop um their event space is monstrous um and then from a personal perspective um i think both of those events knock it out of the park and they offer something you know very different articon is a kind of week long experience um, into the West is just like your your sort of standard event that's just really well and cleanly. Um, and I, I like both of those things. I kind of want to put our stamp in the Midlands of doing something similar. Um, and so by going to a hotel, you get that more sort of premium vibe. The, the The baronial hall that we're going to be playing in is like, you know, as close to playing in a castle as you can get to without actually being in a castle. Like really traditional english hotel i guess um you know we're going to have loads of space to play and um, people are going to be able to stay on site which makes the socializing much easier um you know there's an airport 20 minutes away which uh, you know, i know we've got some of the irish lads coming over so it's kind of drawing from the inspiration from these other big events that are established and trying to put our sort of our own stamp on it which is really exciting
1: well, I'm looking forward to it. I shall be competing once again, not necessarily for the Smaug, but I'll try and be the winner of the uh, the second pod again. I don't know whether I'll, I'll be able to manage to make it to the top pod, but you never know. I might get lucky and be in the, the second pod. Will, thanks very much for coming on the podcast once more.
2: Yeah, no problem at all. See you soon.
1: Will Champion there, ever a wordsmith and uh, just generally all-round nice guy Uh, so thanks for Will again for doing that interview and apologies for how long it's taken to broadcast said interview but I told you I'd get it out at some point Uh, apologies that it's uh, a little bit later than uh, I originally said and you probably originally wanted but hey ho it's out now now, uh, coming up, we have a bit of a scenario spotlight, uh, to steal a phrase from the Green Dragon. We're doing our seen, unseen scenarios uh, with Tim from the Quest of the Ringbearer, uh, and we we'll also hear about um, this is fascinating, fascinating expansion of uh, the ETC and the people who run the ETC being the European Team Championships, um, because... There's a lot of money on offer. We've heard about the Grand Prix there, but there's even more money potentially on offer for uh, tournament goers uh, next year. We'll find out all about that later, but first... Riddles of the Dark... Yes, it's time for Riddles in the Dark. It's been a while since we did a Riddle in the Dark. It's been a couple of episodes, uh, and it's back, and we don't have one to clear up, but we do have a few stragglers to clear up out of the um, the Entmoot at Entmootpodcast at gmail.com email address. Uh, always welcome your comments, whether it's about 3D printing, no more, please, uh, or whether it's about some other topic. Uh, so, for instance, Don a while ago got in touch asking whether 58 is too old to play at tournaments, and I said absolutely not. Uh, I also tied myself in knots <laughs> trying to uh, guess people's ages uh, of people that I know and like in the uh, Middle Earth strategy battle game community uh, who go to tournaments. Basically, I was trying to make a point to you, Don. Uh, if you're still listening, if I haven't offended you massively, um, that there are plenty of people uh, out there who who do play um, uh, in their sort of fifties, sixties, and beyond. So uh, absolutely, you should come in. Uh, and Sam Hoodie gets in touch on the uh, uh, on the subject. He says episode sixty nine, apologies from Harry for guessing people's ages, uh, and has given me a, a potential title for the podcast. Thanks, Sam. Um, and I uh, I do apologise <laughs> if I've offended anyone. But, yeah, be fine. Uh, anyway, uh, more messages have come into the Entmoot at... Uh, God, I've said it t- wrong twice now. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com email address. That's podcast at gmail.com email address. Okay, I think I got that. Right, a couple of times in. Anyway, so let's uh, move on. Uh, this is from Simon Rafferty. Uh, Simon is a Patreon, he's a fan, uh, he's actually accidentally gotten two sets of Patreon awards recently. Um, if you're not aware of what Patreon is, patreon.com slash battlegamesinmiddleearth is uh, it's like my online tip jar, and in response you get some freebies. Uh, I've got some dice trays going out to uh, superfans soon, uh, and some t-shirts to the superfans who joined uh, later than when the last t-shirt batch went out, so if you really really like the podcast and fancy being generous um and you know wanting to put some coins in my tip jar uh patreon.com slash battle games in middle earth and uh you can find me there and that would be very very much welcome i really appreciate it and and as i say you get dice widgets uh, t-shirts uh dice trays depending on uh your your sort of support of the podcast anyway so uh, simon who is one of those people says so, uh gets in touch he says i just wanted to drop you a quick message uh i attended my first tournament this weekend which was into the west mm-hmm. and had a great weekend sadly simon i was initially meant to go to said tournament um and i i had to drop out because of work uh, commitments i had to change jobs and stuff so um for or temporarily anyway and uh, and i couldn't go in the end because i was moving um or sort of te- relocating uh, moving is not quite the right term um Although relocating sounds pretty much the same But anyway, temporarily moving uh, So I couldn't go, I was really disappointed uh, I do love uh, Cardiff's tournaments uh, Matt King runs a very good tournament uh, It's very slick, very smooth um, So I hope you had a great time And you do say, uh, I attended my first tournament this weekend And had a great weekend He said, I was playing what was my fourth game as round one of the tournament. So that's brilliant. So Simon, you're already a big fan of the podcast. You're listening regularly uh, and you're helping contribute to the podcast as well. And you've only played four games. Now that is commitment. So brilliant. So round one of the tournament was your uh, fourth game. So I guess by the end, I think it's six or seven tournaments. So you'd be in double figures. So that's brilliant. Uh, He said, I only decided to go and get involved as your podcast has really championed the community and you were spot on. A really great community and a really great time thank you so much uh, I even managed a win and a draw with a couple of very narrow losses which feels not bad at all for the first time out and still learning the game um, I'm not sure in, in, Into the West I think you've just said had a great day I don't know whether there's, there's a different Into the West that's uh, smaller but um, and happens to be at the same time but anyway two day tournament fantastic I'm so glad uh, that you uh, enjoyed yourself, and uh, for anyone else listening out there, uh, that, Simon, that is a that is a great uh, thing to say because if you're um, if you're listening and you've never been to tournaments uh, in the UK, then absolutely go because they are great. People are nice, and you'll find some uh some really lovely chaps who are all uh, and, and ladies of course who are all interested in the hobby and love the same things as you so uh, go go to them now uh okay another one here's from uh, dan brox he says um just listen to your latest podcast how can you not like a door? he's an absolute baller all the best Uh, Dan Dan Broxome Dan is actually uh, he is another Patreon Uh, I'm not doing this I I haven't read these people just specifically because they're Patreons but because they are I might as well say Um, and Dan has he's he's frustrated my random uh, number generator four times I think now Um, I, I think I've got somewhere in the region of 50, 60 uh, patron supporters um, or, or on a sort of rotation, some people come in, some people go, and that's fine, I don't care um, I appreciate the support it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all, so I appreciate your support for as little or as much as you'd like, and uh, Dan has been there for a, a consistent amount of time and every so often I do these um, prize draws and they, they vary in size, like I used to do Forge World models, That whenever Forge World released stuff, uh, more recently i did a wetter workshop um hobbit thing which went to uh, michael haskell um which i i i know i shouldn't have favorites but uh, michael's been a very long time supporter of the podcast so uh, he got a really cool wetter prize and i was really glad to pull his name out of the hat and dan's name has been pulled out the hat four times and that's brilliant I'm really glad for him because he's a great supporter of the podcast but anyway um, I just thought I'd flag that up because you know you could win a prize four times if you're lucky like Dan uh, and also uh, in response to your point about how can you not like a door, um I've already responded to you directly I think I'm just wrong. Um, if I'm completely honest, uh, I will get a sealed Door out, and I will do some um, do some tournaments with him at some point. Uh, I need to just find the right level. I think. Um, I think in the slow grow, I will definitely do some um, some sealed Door action, which I'm excited about because uh, I, I haven't really used him much, and he has done some. Uh, wreaked some havoc upon my own forces so i'm looking forward to using him myself so uh, in in answer to your uh, point how can you not like isildur uh, because i'm just wrong usually so uh, that's that um but thanks very much for you, for your um your uh, message your email i much appreciate it and podcast at gmail.com if you're getting interested uh, and then there's, there's this other one here uh, it's from a guy called harry parkhill he says you pillock Despite telling people that they were hearing things you did repeat that interview with Aaron in the fellowship of the grantham episode do better all the best harry parkill uh yeah this is in response to um a couple of people have commented on um like the facebook and um in uh, uh, on various other forums i think and um, basically telling me Am I hearing things? Um, I heard an interview twice, didn't I? And um, I said, no, no, it's the... the, the, I just played Aaron in the tournament and then interviewed them at the end. And uh, I kind of dismissed this. Uh, And I had a couple of people saying this, so I went back and had a listen to... Uh, the the offending podcast and you're completely right I did accidentally play it twice um, if you haven't yet listened to it um, then it should be amended by the time you get to it so the, if you're listening to this after you are, if, you're, uh, if you've not yet, I don't know, some, something along the lines of, if you haven't quite got to that episode yet, by the time this one is out, you won't notice it. But if you are an enthusiast and have listened to Entmoots pretty much as soon as they were released, you, uh, you might have noticed that, and I can only apologize for that. So thank you very much. for all of those messages. Um, we did say this was riddle in the dark section. So how about we have a riddle in the dark? Mm, riddles in the dark podcast at gmail.com If you think you know who speaks next In that clip from the Lord of the Rings Or the Hobbit movies And what of course do they say So uh, all you need to do is uh, have a think Where is this, what's happening right here Who speaks next podcast at gmail.com Let's have another listen <laughs> Okay, we'll have one more listen, entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next and what they say. There you go, the return of the riddle in the dark. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next and what they say. And there is a slight, if tangential, link to uh, something we're talking about uh, in the podcast. um, I'll admit it's probably more connected to next episode. So uh, that's your clue for this time. Now, first, uh, we before we talk more about events, um, we're going to talk about the ETC and what that is a bit later on, uh, some more tournament talk. Um, let's delve into some scenarios. So we mentioned earlier on in the podcast uh, our seen unseen scenarios. We're going to go on an adventure into the quest of the ring bearer books. Uh, as a quick reminder, so far, uh, and you'll have to go back to episode... 29 to hear about these so uh 30 over 30 episodes ago um but uh, as a quick summary um tim and i we uh, delved through the early scenarios in uh, quest of the Ringbearer, uh, all the hobbity based ones we got ourselves to rivendell so let's go back on an adventure and continue the fellowship's quest We're oh, going no, no. So, the Quest of the Ringbearer, it's actually, I think it's been two and a half years since we we last recorded anything um, with Tim uh, in our Quest of the Ringbearer thing. I think we've done what a lot of people do, is they play the first few scenarios of anything, and then they quickly forget about it and play match play games. Although, I'm sure there are people out there who just play match play, uh, the sort of scenario games, so... Uh, As we heard earlier, we've got the flight to the Ford and Weathertop, we've done all these sort of build-up to Rivendell, we've passed Rivendell, and we're on to an unusual one, which doesn't actually involve any terrain or anything like that, there's a lot of playing cards, uh, Tim, and I've always thought these games look a bit crap. Uh, well, I think it looks brilliant.
3: <laughs> I've, I, you know, out of the whole book. There's, I think, there's there two or three like this. There's a smuggler mm. one later on, and that's the one that I looked at and
1: I thought, this looks really fun. I quite like a look at this. So we have full disclosure. We have already played this at some point in the past, um, and and it is good. Uh, I think it's really good. But I, I can't. I think a lot of people skip these ones because there's playing cards and it's not. It doesn't feel like a proper game of SBG. Just give us an overview of vaguely what happens. Uh, good and evil Mm -hmm. uh in
3: front of the good player are a load of red cards face up Uh, they can move their fellowship along these the idea is to get them from one side of the i suppose board or layout of cards to the other one while they're doing that the evil player has a hand of the the black cards and can pick one each turn to basically drop I i think it's dropping a massive rock isn't it something like that uh And so Fellowship or move. Uh, It is revealed where the rock has dropped uh, and either they escape by the nick of their teeth or they get crushed. And then from time to time, the um, evil player can also remove a card from play, making it more difficult or reducing the options to go. But you can see what cards are on the table, you can see what you you know, because obviously what cards are in uh, Mm. Evil Player's hand, and you can make a few cunning decisions. And like you say, we have played this quite a few times.
1: Yeah, well, I think that was the reason that we we didn't actually record this podcast the last time was because we started doing this, and we played it for three or four times, and we ran out of time to actually play any more missions. So we just played that sort of points match game and didn't bother recording anything. So um, and the thing is, in the book, it says face down which we we quickly realize is just wrong like I, it doesn't make any sense because you can't it's all, then it becomes just a completely random game of of pointlessness and is very easy for the good player to just skip through and do things whereas if you've got them face up mm. it's all tactical it means that we can see where for example on these this face up the half of the deck is laid out in a grid and um you can see that the queens are uh, near the end. So I'm not going to use any of my queens early on to damage stuff. I'm going to wait till the end to try and knock them off or, or something like that to make it harder for Tim to make the whole fellowship oh, yeah, move they through. Are, but
3: they're both in the same column. That's yeah. going to make it exciting.
1: Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, so this is a really interesting one. We'll come back after we've played a couple of games uh, and just give our general overview after having played it with a fresh mind. So there you go. We've just played uh, a battle of uh, the pass of Karadras, uh, with the Deck of Cards, with the Fellowship. Nice warm-up game, uh, gets your brain kind of activated. Tim, what do you think of this game? I think this is brilliant. It's my favourite so far in the book. Mm, it's a bold statement. So, I, I, well, first of all,
3: why? Um, It's simple, it, it's quick, it's replayable. This is, what, our fourth, fifth game? I mean, I'd happily play this for, like, a couple of hours, um, and I'd happily shove it in a tournament.
1: Mm. Yeah, it does It does feel like, well, it feels balanced. And, you know, up to now, the, the scenarios we played, all the, the sort of um, leading up to Rivendell, do feel like it's skewed definitely one way and there's not really much that the evil player can do to win. You can play it twice, one good, uh, one evil time, and then everyone has a bit of fun because they win. But this one actually feels like you can win either way. Yeah,
3: and I just lost that game. And I'm angry and want to play another <laughs> game so I don't lose. Which is, you know, that's you know, that's ace. And there's um the intrigue in the setup. This is the first time we played it and it's had columns with two of the same card in. I think three columns had two of the mm-hmm. same card in, which makes it an awful lot more difficult. And that's the setup, and there's nothing in your control about that. You can play it slow, you can play it fast, you can tease stuff out. I think it's really good. I'm glad I don't sit in a cupboard with a big beard analysing it for optimum playing style. It was fun and quick and Great. I loved it. I really did it. I I can't say how much I like this. And I do hope if I looked into it, it's not just a slight version of a game that they play in Finland with an obscure name. Mm. It's just been rebadged in Lord of the Rings way. I I really hope someone actually sat down and playtested and thought about this from the ground up because I think it's brilliant.
1: I I, I totally agree. I think this is probably, it's the best scenario I've played of, of any Middle Earth Scenario in a book, and and maybe that's a shame um, because there are some that are really good fun. Um, in fact, I did like um, the fatty bolger escape one; that was really fun. There's lots of fun scenarios, um, but I think if you're thinking of a game as a kind of game, that that kind of works on multiple levels in terms of tactics, you can play it different ways, different times and eke out different strategies each time. In the way that the general game of SPG when you've got a matched play works, you can play it millions of different ways. This one feels like the first time I've encountered something in the book which feels like you could play it every, every time and it would feel different each way and you can come up with different strategies. for I think it's brilliant um, and yeah I won that one but as you say it, it feels like it, you roll out the deck again you could do a completely different game and it could be easily winnable for you. And that's p- part of what I think makes it great. I don't know whether we've particularly explained the the way the, the game works, but it's on page 27 of uh, the, ring, uh, the Quest of the Ring Bearer. Have a look at it, read it up, make sure the cards are face-up, ignore that bit that's the bit that I think I don't know whether they've just written that wrong because it just ca- it can't work the other way surely well we haven't checked the
3: FAQs have we done <laughs> or, or, or you know we, I think from experience we should maybe have done that yeah but, maybe uh, there
1: is an FAQ that, that says <laughs> I, I can't imagine it having been FAQ'd but either way uh, try it face down and see how it doesn't work and then try it face up and see how it really does work as a game brilliant Tim uh, we're going to do ratings uh, we'll see if we remember it throughout the rest of the games um, what rating out of 10 would you give this 10. 10. It's a solid. I'm going to have to give it 9.5 or 9.9 because it, there might be something out there that, that's going to beat this in terms of fun value that actually works with the game as a match play. But yeah, it's definitely a high ranking. Let's move on now to. Wargs in the night. This is the first uh, scenario that we're going to tackle uh, in this podcast from the quest of the Ringbearer. Uh, you may remember the old uh, the issues. We got all the way up to uh, the flight to the Ford, so we did all that. We got to Rivendell, uh, and then Tim and I have have indulged in the Passive Karadras as well, and now we've got the proper... MESBG stuff. We've got a proper scenario with lots of models, no cards, actual terrain on the table. Uh, Tim, WAG's in the night. Just give us an overview first before we talk about what we think ahead of the game.
3: So we've got the members of the Fellowship stood in a little circle in the middle of the board who are about to get assaulted from Three out of four sides to begin with
1: by a big pack of hungry and ever-spawning wargs. There's a lot of wargs. 18 wargs. And actually, this is one that I, I think we we took a while to get to this because initially you think, oh, 18 wargs. Who the hell has 18 wargs? So we've got mostly wargs and I've got some spiders and a bat swarm that look a bit like a warg and using big, chunky uh, Gothmog warg from the new... Um, uh, new box set to be our wild wild chieftain so lots of wargs of course the full fellowship as well and what's the aim of the game here
3: the aim of the game for the evil wargs um, or spiders as the case may be is to kill as it five mem any five members of the fellowship will get the win for evil uh, good wins the game if the game ends before this can happen and with the, the game has at least 11 turns the game ends after that if we draw the priority roll. So. Yeah, it's a
1: bit of an unusual end condition. Uh, 11 turns and then a drawn priority. So I, I don't know what the chances of both of us rolling the same dice result, but it's must be one in six or something like that. But either way, thats it feels like it could end up lasting quite a few turns. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think this could be interesting, but I feel like the Wargs have the upper hand. Maybe I'm wrong here.
3: No, uh, although it looks like there's a lot of Wargs at the moment. You know, you've got the Fellowship there, and they do have their heroic stats. It only takes a couple of uh, Boromir heroic combat two to two on the horn, and all of a sudden there's a lot of wargs left. And Even if they do spawn, they're quite a way back. I think this leans in in good's favour, as it should, because you know we want to get all the scenarios played without the the good dying every single time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> especially if you're playing the sort of linked uh, narrative campaign thing. I I don't think that's the okay. I think that there's so many wargs here, and they keep coming on. You've got enough time here that you just keep throwing wargs into combat and just Overwhelm the fellowship. Eventually, they're going to whiff the dice. You're going to kill the, the four hobbits and uh, sort of at least two of the hobbits and build fairly quickly. Um, and then you've you've only got two things left to die before. Before it all goes terribly wrong. So, uh, the, the crucial thing I think for the evil side here will be how do you utilize the Wild Wild Chieftain, who's what? Fight six? Uh, no, is, no,
3: fight five. Wild, he's wild
1: only people. fight five. Okay, well, that, that's that's a bit better. Okay, I was thinking it was fight six. So, either way, I think he's going to be a, a crucial linchpin here because he's got a couple of point might points um, and, you know, a lot of wags, but he's going to be the one that's going to do any serious damage if he wins. So, I, I, I'm going to rate the evil side. And I think before we d- talked about this, we thought uh, I, I was probably going to be good and you were going to be evil. Mm. I think maybe I should be evil because I reckon I can win with the evil and you reckon you can win with good. Uh,
3: I think looking at it, points-wise, if you went into a normal game of uh, Lord of the Rings with this, mm. you're bringing, what, nearly 700 points of Fellowship there? I haven't Oh,
1: no, more than that. Long. I think that's nearly a 1,000, that, because you've got the whole Fellowship. Uh, you, I suppose you don't have all, the Anduril or anything like that, but uh, without the cart, I think you've got, yeah, you've got 700, 800 points, haven't you? And you've got about 7.5 points of Wags. That <laughs> nest, no, it's like nothing. <laughs> yeah, it? I suppose each Wags, what, 10 points? Something like that? Uh, 10, yeah, So yeah, less maybe less than that. So there's 150 points of Wags, plus yeah. the Chieftain, who is 80, uh, 80 so yeah okay maybe but they can come on forever so I think I'm going to be able to win we'll come back after we've played uh, the scenario of the first round mm-hmm. hey, okay and that is the end of the scenario and actually it isn't the end of the scenario we got to turn what was it 15 yeah. and so when we start rolling two dice for priority at the end of turn uh, at the start of turn 11 and from if we get a draw of priority that means yeah, that's the last turn we've played four turns afterwards and we've called it a day Tim why have you wa- agreed to call it a day um
3: it's it's kind of it's not that it's stopped being fun but it's like the scenarios you play in tournaments where they end on a one or two and you never see a one or two and it just you, you can see in your opponent's face that you both want it to be over <laughs> <laughs> not because you know it wasn't interesting but you clearly didn't have the resources to win it. And this isn't set up for a scenario that you're supposed to win. I I am supposed to win. It was obvious that I was going to win. And that wasn't a fun experience for you, I don't think.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's fair. I mean, I did think that because of just the weight of time that I would chip away uh, enough resources for it to expose you to the potential spaff uh, results that would mean that, you know, one of the big heroes might go down at some point, um, and it just never happened. And, you know, it could be down to um, bad dice rolling on my part, or good dice rolling on your behalf, but that that's kind of by the by. I, just, I, I think maybe, even if we'd have played another six turns, you've got, Boromir's on three mites still, Aragorn's got two plus the free one, Gandalf's still got two. Um, I've only killed Bill the Pony and two hobbits, um, and the rest of your heroes, they're not exactly that vulnerable. Legolas has got a fate and two wounds left still, Gimli's not spent any fate, he's unwounded, Boz has only taken one wound, Aragorn spent one fate, Gandalf spent one. It, it just feels like it's going to take absolutely ages for us to get to a point where... I'm even close to winning, I'd have to kill Sam and he's he's protected by Gimli. It's, it just doesn't feel possible.
3: No, and it's also very one-dimensional. The, look at the models you've got and what they can do. Mm. They can do nothing. Mm. And look at the models of things I can do. Most of Gandalf's spells aren't you know very useful because mm. you're fearless. Um, and all we're doing really is seeing who gets priority. Usually me using a point to do the, the heroic move. Uh, and it's all very samey there's not an awful lot of tactics i'm in the middle turtling up maybe shifting from side to side you're charging and we're rolling some dice that there's not many, you know it's not a highly replayable experience do you no think? i don't think
1: i'd ever want to play like sometimes <laughs> with scenarios i think oh, i would quite like to give this a go from the opposite side to see how it fa- fares see what you know what fun we can have and in this instance there's just the, I just think ah no it's fine and yeah okay maybe I could have played the wild wild chieftain a bit better I put him in the wrong place too early on and and I got ganked by loads of pink, but he didn't have strike so it's not like he's going to really scare any of the members of the fellowship anyway he's there really to one kill one turn kill a hobbit or two maybe heroic combat from one into another or something like that and then the other tactic I could potentially do is force your fellowship which is right right in the middle at the end kind of separate them off enough to push them. Around into sort of charging range as soon as one wag arrives in, and and, you know, so that they're not taking two or three turns to charge in. But you've kind of set yourself from the diamond in the middle, and and you know, it's it's always going to be annoying for me that I'm going to take two turns. Uh, to move my wargs in from the edge into the middle.
3: It, it has taken quite a lot of time. To play, mm. You know, I, I haven't checked the clock, but it feels like it's been playing. We've been playing a long time. Yeah, and, I
1: think, um, I think we, we've probably spent an hour and a half, if not a little
3: bit more. I, I don't think I've had a particularly enjoyable hour and no. a half, to be honest. You know, it's not. May you know, for you maybe as evil. If there was a a dice roll like a fifty fifty to to regain a wild warg chieftain, if it dies, just to get something or start with two or something like that, it doesn't feel like a game that has been designed with. A balance mm. to give the evil side a chance of glorious victory, has it? It's just one that you've got to get through because we know more exciting ones are coming.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it feels like it's been designed so that you go let's replay that bit from the book where you vaguely remember the the fellowship killing the, the wargs. Way! we spent an hour and a half recreating that forgettable moment from the books now let's move on to the watcher in the water which is what we really want to do so uh, (laughs) let's let's bring out the book now um, because we're going to do this in a second so it's
3: seen scene where we really haven't seen it because i haven't even even looked at it
1: so we've got the gates of moria this is played on a two by two board so we don't even need the whole board which i like uh, because it means there's less movement there's a corner half of the board so a foot by a foot in one corner is the watcher in the water's sort of pool and he deploys in the six inch corner at the edge so all very exciting you get the fellowship well actually we haven't decided do you want the fellowship of the ring or do you want to have a go with the watcher in the water uh fellowship please fellowship he wants to continue with the fellowship so i'm going to have a go with the watcher the general gist of this one uh, as i remember it is i have to um whip frodo into into death which is fine because frodo deploys in the water very close to me the hobbits a bit closer to to the kind of edge of that pool that I've just described, which takes up a corner of the two-by-two, two, and then the rest of the fellowship are lining up at the edge of the, the gate We're waiting to go into the tomb. So it's interesting, there's some, there's some exciting things like, for example, the Watcher in the Water is in, unkillable, um, essentially it moves back every time you lose wounds, um, and there's shallow water, and all these sorts of stuff So to make it a little bit potentially interesting. The evil player has to kill five or more good models or Frodo um, to win. The good all ha- all they have to do is enter the mines of Moria as a complete fellowship. So I don't quite know how that works. Um, so the good, oh yeah, five- so you've got to have five members of the bo- off the board via the gates of Moria. So what? What do you think to this before we have a go? I mean, obviously it's exciting because of the scenario, but you know, what do you think to the actual game mechanics? Do you think so far?
3: I'm I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and say although it sounds really exciting, I expect the Fellowship will manage to escape the clutches. It, it's got some potential water shenanigans, I like that, you don't see enough water mm-hmm. on the table's top, tournament organisers, please put more, more water in. Deep water, shallow water, more water, it's great fun. Um, so that's the shenanigan. I've never played against the Watcher. That's very exciting because the model is super... Have you got little tentacles as well?
1: I, I, I don't have the separate tentacles. I have the old tentacles b- sort of built into a, a resin thing, a resin sort of pool of water, which is all very nice and exciting. So I'm not, not using the, the official GW model. It's using the old GW tentacles and a plastic cast face buried in some resin. So we'll get that out. We're going to be very exciting. We're going to have our cups of tea, and we're going to start playing the game. It's 5 o'clock. We'll see <laughs> when... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) when... When this finishes, (laughs) if we're going to get to Barlin's (laughs) tomb uh, in this one day of session. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Let's uh, find out after the roll of some dice. Many dice have been rolled uh, for the gates of Moria. So, um, first of all, Tim, instant gut reactions... Let's do a rating. We didn't do ratings for the first one, but what what do you think? Out of Ooh, ten, well, 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 well let's, let's say think. the compare and contrast. What do you think for Wags and Knight first? I think that was that was p- p- poor, wasn't it? That's, yeah, I, think, I don't even.
3: I think I'd struggle to give that three.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say three or two or three for that. It's okay, see, day one, fourth game, and you've already lost three that day. <laughs> Can't get any better than that. Yeah, you? fair, fair. Okay, with that with that in mind as a comparison, the Gates of Moria. We've got the Watcher. We've got the Fellowship. Bill's already gone, sadly, but. There felt like there was something going on here. What what would you say? Rating wise, I think we we'll would give that a six. Mm. Partially because it's got the watcher, which is
3: just instantly cool, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it did feel like we recreated the the scene from the film. It was like, wow, wow, what's going to happen? We have replayed it several times just mm-hmm. to try out some different things. Um, but you know, it was only really going to go one way. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. But well, not well. It we played was more down to the dice rolls. We knew very early on when the dice were rolled what was going to happen, yes. rather than it being like a exploration of our skill.
1: Exactly, I, I think that's exactly right. I, I would say probably at six at best. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll st- I think we're both pretty much on the same page with both of these scenarios. I, th- this one is interesting because in the first time, um, essentially. I thought, oh, this is brilliant! I'm, this is going to really change the game because I, we, I did really well with the first tentacle whips. Got two wounds on Frodo straight away, which you know you passed one or something with a fate, and then he charged him, he charged in, and he, he sort of killed him after a couple of turns. Which all felt like, oh, oh
3: god, just, this isn't meant to happen. It was. It was. It was a complete dice roll reversal, wasn't it? Mm. You went in, got the big sixes. In fact, you got lots of sixes. Yeah. Um, so six tentacle hits, double sixes on the rolling to wound. And then I shot with a Legolas and got like a wand mm. to hit and then I think I maybe mighted it and then rolled a wand to wound. It's just like, oh
1: god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty poor. And and I thought, oh, okay, maybe was this, and, and that you know, obviously in that first turn you'd th- thought, okay, well I'll move these guys away. Frodo's going to escape, it's all going to be fine. And then uh, the next two games we played. So we played three games, I think we said at five o'clock was when we called the time last time. In that in the space of 55 minutes, we've played the game three times. And actually learned, reminded ourselves how to use lots of elements yeah. of our armies. Yeah, uh, yeah and particularly the Watcher as well. So, and in that time, uh, I won the first one, and Tim, uh, as the Fellowship, won the the second two. So, to me, if, uh, A, it had replayability which is great it was short which is also great and it doesn't require a lot of models which is even better so this feels to me actually like not a bad one to show if, so, if you wanted someone to recreate a scene from the movie so actually I'm going to bump it up to seven I think um, you've, we've recreated scenes from the movie we've got an iconic moment it was quick it wasn't that complex it, yeah. I think it was fun
3: yeah, you could almost use this as a show another person an aspect of the game mm. without needing to learn a lot of rules because you didn't really. Sorry, I'm going to have to. <clears throat>
1: He's going to cough. But yeah, you're right. You don't need you don't need to know loads, and uh, you get a bit of use out of magic. So Gandalf gets to try and immobilise. You get to use will to resist because the Watcher has plenty of resist spells. You've got might and move. So the and there's enough little bits that. So the I think the Watcher in the Water almost feels like it's been designed exactly to play this scenario. You get. One chance at a heroic move off, and then if you fail that, it's it's kind of end the end of the game though, isn't it? Uh, yeah,
3: because I mean we have replayed this, but we've replayed it from more like an uh, like a. To analyze it, to say how could this go differently? We mm. have th- there's not a lot of options. The early dice rolls really de- de- sort of decide which way it's going to go, doesn't it? Rather than our brilliant abilities. Um, yeah. Do you think giving the Watcher an extra point of might might
1: just add that little extra something? I think so because in the second time we tried it, I I ne- basically I needed to ha- get bring Frodo into combat, drag him in, the, the whip, whip him with a tentacle. If you don't know the rules for the Watcher, uh, I, I forgot to mention. He whips with the tentacles. He drags someone into combat, as you'd expect. And I missed. I got sort of a, like two roll uh, two dice, uh, d6 shots, uh, two dice, and he missed. So I m- used my might point to make sure you hit to drag Frodo into combat, and then I didn't didn't win the combat, or whatever it was, um, and didn't kill him or Frodo, uh, Aragorn charge. But then the next turn I didn't have the move off or the chance for the move off, so it just meant you just you you know you're going to be able to move slowly out of the way and hold him off with Boromir which you did so it, it just to me the, the the problem with it as as both of us have sort of played these game at this this sort of game tactically at uh, tournaments sort of and you know you've done better than I have at tournaments but um it just felt like once we'd worked out the logistics of it i could almost play say oh well you have to do that now and then i have to do this and then roll the dice Okay, that means that I have to now do this, and then I'll lose, or you, have, or whatever. So it felt like kind of painting by numbers after a while.
3: Yeah, uh, and and these are all to create movie scenes, aren't they? And yeah. we know that good wins, so they, a lot of them do feel like they're skewed slightly to one one direction, mm. rather than it being like an actual fair fight. Um, I think even with an extra point of might, it's still going to probably go the way of the fellowship, yeah. but it would add a bit more of that exciting sort of. Flailing in the water. Oh, what's going to happen? Got to chuck a few more dudes in, and I'd be happy to replay it with a, an extra point of mic for the watcher.
1: Yeah, I totally agree because that would add the the just the the chance the two roll offs for the move offs means that you get two charges potentially or two chances to get um Frodo before you are immobilized and before you sort of uh, you know Frodo sort of slopes off after a while because the the mechanic of moving the uh watcher away just means that you get. Legolas gets the chance to push him back a, a bit, and you know maybe after a couple of moves that you know he's spent his might to try and get his wounds and all that sort of stuff. So it just feels like maybe you need a little bit more. Having said that, we have played through it three times in an hour, and that feels to me like a win for the the quest of the Ringbearer to me. It's it's it was pretty fun, um. But as I say, once you played it a, f- a few a few through t- through a few times, then yeah, it's kind of. It's done. I don't think I'd want to play it again right away now. Maybe again in the future, though.
3: Not really, but if you think there's, however, what, 20-some scenarios in the Ringbearer book, if we spent, like, an hour playing each of them, like, 24 hours of game yeah. time for a, a £25 mm-hmm. book, I think that's fairly good value. Yeah. Some are going to be better than others. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, I, more than
1: the WAG's one, anyway. Yeah, definitely. The Wargs being been taking over an hour to play at once <laughs> and does not really enjoy it. And this one we played three times in an hour and... You know, well, less than an hour, and we've we've really enjoyed it. So, there you go. That's uh, that's the quest of the Ringbearer missions for this time. There you go. So, as I say, quest of the Ringbearer uh, this time, only three scenarios, and two of which are actually match play uh, or kind of using toy soldiers. Passacaradras genuinely is a good game. Um, I'd highly recommend giving it a go, especially in the setup to an event or something along those lines. Um, yeah it's just really good fun and, and there's lots of levels to it uh, perfect two player game um, so yeah I highly recommend that uh, I, I guess I'm less effusive about the others but exciting scenarios ahead and I, I like to promise that they'll be very soon uh, before we play the next um uh, next two quest of the ringbearer scenarios uh if you're really keen on listening to these sorts of things uh do send me messages encourage me to do them and I'm sure Tim and I will will get round to them uh, as soon as we possibly can so that's exciting um but we return now uh to more event talk um the the final sort of feature of the podcast today um essentially I uh, I've heard whispers down the uh, the sort of ages of the times that I've been at uh, Great British Hobbit League tournaments of something called the ETC and I think the more I uh, have been around sort of the the, the the sort of regulars at tournaments, the and the regulars, to be fair, are the ones who usually do well at tournaments, um, you more you sort of hear whispers of these things and you kind of get nuggets of information about this, that and the other, but I've never really truly understood exactly what the ETC is. It's called the European Team Championships and it's now changed itself to the World Team Championships um, and it takes in lots of sort of events from around the world. But rather than me try and explain it, in a, and butcher it in a strange sort of way um dave nolan the organizer as a uh, teased to earlier he uh, has uh, basically asked if he could come on and explain it uh, and uh, tease ahead to some events he's planning next year with huge cash prizes so with that in mind let's hand over to dave nolan
0: I'm good, thank you very, very much.
1: <laughs> so, people may have heard of you in the the community, uh, if they've been a sort of long long-standing member of the community, uh, largely connected to this event called the ETC. I know, obviously, you've been a competitive gamer. I think you were top of the uh, the or certainly in the podium positions in the league at uh, various points in the past and um, so they might have uh, crossed your path uh, on the tabletops as well. Um, I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> well for the ETC uh, this is something this is something that comes up occasionally it's now called the WTC. what is
0: it? okay so um, not wanting to go off on a tangent it is an opportunity for countries to send potentially the best of the best a team of four players to uh, a mobile event, mobile in the sense of we don't stay in one country. Everybody initially thought, oh my God, this is going to be the most competitive event in the world. Yet, if you ever attend and and come to take a look, you'll just see that it's guys and girls on a table, rolling dice, having a great time, fighting hard within their rules set, fantastic manners, fantastic approach, and then going out and having a bite to eat and a meal and socializing. Um, A comment that Bo Mortensen from Bolt Action uh, said, he said, five years ago, I had friends in my local game club. Now I have friends across the world that I look forward to seeing every year. Brilliant.
1: And so the ETC, that that is now morphed into this World Team Championship. So it's about a team, isn't it? You you know, as you say, you say England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland. I I don't know which teams, uh, which countries are sending teams, but I know lots of European countries as well. How do you get into one of those teams?
0: Right, that is entirely the choice and selection process of the team representative. Owen Wright is the team representative here for England, for Middle Earth, and he puts a process in place to decide how he's going to choose his teams, the makeup of them. Um, he has used sometimes a wildcard system, he's used the GBHL. I know that France, uh, Pierre Burns turned around and helped. Um, found the French ETC selection process and they have have thousands of players uh, playing in the league system now in France and then they pick their best players to come forward. We had United Arab Emirates there in Cork last year. They picked their team in another manner of We have three people, plus myself, who'd like to come along. Can we come and represent our country? I said, yes, of course. So we don't dictate how you attend or what criteria you attend under once your country is relatively happy how you do it. And hence, we have a representative for each system and each country.
1: So, so the, as you say, for, for this year or, or for next year, the, the, the winners of the Great British Hobbit League are likely to be forming a Team uh, England number one or Team England two or, or whatever it is.
0: Well, I can tell definitely tell you that there's three Scottish teams from Middle Earth and there's two English teams from Middle Earth. There's a Northern Ireland team and there's two Irish teams. Unfortunately, we don't have a Welsh team for some reason and trust me I've, I've, I've tried long and hard to, <laughs> to help motivate that i even have uh, josh he's uh, now over in japan trying to organize a welsh team <laughs> all the way back to wales um so yeah it's 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 not an open event for anybody it is a closed
1: event. So, with that all in mind, why do you do it? I mean, I, I know you run something called the IGE or involved in the IGE. Um, is this is this a money making enterprise? Is this a, a you know what what, what what makes you want to put on these? I assume, very stressful tournaments for yourself <laughs> uh, to organise across Europe so far. I mean, and this one's in Granada, isn't it, in Spain?
0: It is Granada in Spain, yeah. We're to answer that question because there's multiple questions there. I'll tap into the IGE in a moment. I'll very quickly give you a very historical background. Got in- Wanted to be part of the Irish ETC or the English ETC, Warhammer. Knew I wasn't good enough. Got introduced into uh, Middle Earth and I saw an avenue to try and make that into a world team championship, world event sort of thing. And so I tried very hard. And since 2015, 2017, I um I went to a lot of events here in the UK, went to a couple abroad, got some uh some position, as you said, podium. And once I had achieved third place um up against Ed Ball and Jay Clare um at the league final, I decided that I had enough. I could now take that forward and convince people that I knew what I was doing within tournament scenes to set this up. And that's how it came about. I contacted France and Germany and I said to France, look, I've got all of these countries involved. And they said, yes, sign us up. I went to Germany and I said, I've got France and all of these other countries (laughs) signed up. And you can see where this is going. I I, I convinced every country to to join up and have have a try. And they did. And our first one was in Hamburg, in Germany. Then we went to Cardiff. Then we went to Poland. Then, unfortunately, COVID hit a lot of um, us—sad times. And then we went um, to Cork, as I said last year. And now this year.
1: So, so why? Why? So, you, you, what, what drives? What's the driving force rather than the how or or why? Yeah. What, what's, what's?
0: I'm, 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 I'm one of these sort of people that goes into a shop and looks for a deal. So I thought if I can make enough friends around the world, my daughter, Saoirse, when she was born, and when she reaches 15, 16, 17, she can go to France and say, right, my dad says, perhaps you might find a, a bed on the floor for me. Perhaps you might be able to get me a free ticket to get on the ski, uh, ski slopes, et cetera, et cetera. And my wife turned around to me one night and said, you're spending this money to try and do this. What, what, what are we getting back? And I went... We're saving thousands and making friends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. So so you just like the idea of bringing the community together across the Europe and and so on.
0: Yes. And now that's evolved. And we then, myself, Craig Brown and Paul Walker, um, we set up the IGE, which is the International Gaming Events. And our main goal, that is a not-for-profit business. So I'm not rolling in it. I think my poor Kia outside needs new tires and a new engine and a new body and and will do for 10 years. Mm. But um, our idea is to try and make it into a charity, which we did approach last year. The wording got knocked back by the uh, Charity Commission and said, can you redo it? So we're looking in March now, after Granada, we're going to redo the charity. We're focusing on things like numeracy and literacy and how that can be brought into and used by young people and adults, vulnerable adults within gaming uh, and inclusiveness a leadership, uh, thought process, the whole thing that gaming does bring to us. Mm. Um, Budgeting even. And we want to try and fund projects around the world through any funding that we acquire and that's what the IGE is i will die a poor man with many friends i hope
1: oh that's interesting and and so so with that in mind you you mentioned you want to go around the world that granada this time you've done poland cork uh germany as well where what what sort of countries have you got your eyes on is it going to sort of travel the globe
0: Well, I would love to travel the globe, but one of the most stressful things I've come across is finding a location. So I now have a location team, um, but in the process to give us all a bit of a break, I have decided, um, other than looking at France, potentially for 2025, I'm looking to revisit the countries we've been in. So I'm on a plane, I think maybe in two, three weeks' time to Poland to take a look for 2024 for... The uh, WTC in Poland. Then I'll be look, looking at France, Germany, Spain, Cork, and um, you know Cardiff as well, Wales, to try and bring it back to those locations. Mm,
1: brilliant. And so, with that in mind, you, you mentioned the IGE. I know you've got this this big thing planned for next year. Uh, that's so you're calling the Elite Event Circuit. And am, am I getting this right? You're offering. A thousand pound cash prizes for for winners of, of Middle Earth tournaments. Correct. Yes.
0: That's simple, that's simple answer. Yes. That's that's big. Um. Yes and no. Uh. If you speak to some of the tos around the UK at the moment, um. And I know that Owen put this out. I'm in a response on one of his uh, one of my posts. He he was telling someone that. The TOs, if they start to calculate up how much they spend on prizes alone, it can well total, if not exceed that. But what I want to do is, it's all well and good going to a, a tournament and coming away with a box of, we say, three boxes of Rivendell Knights when I'll never play Rivendell, for instance, mm-hmm. or, or you know, Moran and Orcs when, when I only want to play Dwarfs and some, or other things. Unfortunately, and this is is sounding wrong. My wife threatens to throw out my trophies on a regular basis to make room. And and trophies are great. But one of the things my wife says is, why are you going to this tournament again? You're going to five tournaments a year, X, Y, and Z, and what are we getting for it? And I thought, well, why don't I just kind of give everyone a boost? So when they say I'm going to a tournament and there's a thousand pound cash prize, get their wives or the girlfriends or partners to pack the bags for them. (laughs) Which army (laughs) would you like? But I also want to give back. I want people to be able to... We're in tough times at the moment. OK, it's yeah. as simple as that. We are in tough times. And any financial support that we can give to help people, great.
1: So this this, this all sounds like... So you're not making any money out of this and you're giving out a £1,000 cash prize?
0: Oh, there is money being made. And yeah. the money that is being made is going to go to the WTC, to the running of the WTC, to fund future... Uh, things and for us also to basically my my two directors are worried about my stress levels <laughs> simple as that they are literally they, they've rung up my wife on a couple of occasions to ask me ask her if i'm okay the stress that i go through is scenery uh is there enough tables uh, can i afford the flights for the the uh the teams can i help out a team who can't go um how many times do I have to tap into my own credit card to to help get scenery, et cetera, et cetera? So there's there's a large financial, how would I say, pressure. And this thousand pound event that I want to run is going to relieve some of that. But it's not just one event. We're looking at potentially 14 events in the 2024 calendar.
1: And they're not they're not just uh uh, Middle Earth there, there are multiple <laughs> different systems yeah yeah. there are big events kicking about there's like the Grand Prix the um, uh, World Champions running in, in Nottingham or the Nottingham area there's Ardicon H- how are you going to be different how is uh, your you know your elite event circuit and how is the ETC and so on different
0: that's a mighty good question I, I was nearly asking, saying do we have to be what I'm finding and uh, out of respect Steve Pro came to me and said I want to run a team championship dave am i going to be stepping on your toes i went no in fact here's something better here's our formula steve please by all means use it use some of it use none of it whatever when it comes to the community we're not trying to be different we're trying to help Mm. and if we can help we will if james clark comes to me and said dave i need scenery for articon i'd go yeah sure no worries there you go yeah brilliant and so I mean, with all these these, these
1: competitive elements, you know, there's the there's, there WTC and the, the the you know the, the elite event circuit, a thousand pound cash prize. That's going to definitely attract the competitive players. Is the, are you are you yes. worried this is going to turn the sort of what was a very small friendly community, uh, sort of centered around narrative and thematic stuff, into like this forty k sort of beardy kind of you know competitive scene let's
0: let's not attack 40k okay well well, whatever you know what i mean like competitive (laughs) scene i know know. where you're coming from i know where you're coming from um so let's go back to Trona skulls i won Trona skulls once right i then returned to Trona skulls but the mannerism of how the points were given out meant that i would be on an uphill struggle because i don't win sporting best sporting event okay i'm sorry i don't But there are people out there who do. And the points for Trona Skulls tends to go for more that approach than the competitive. So I don't go to Tron Skulls anymore because that's not the tournament for me. But I will go to a competitive one. But if you ran a tournament tomorrow and it was a complete fluffy thing and I thought, well, it's not my sort of scene, I'll I'll have a game here at my house or I'll have a game in my local club. Doesn't mean that you're tournament is wrong it's just not right for me and so our when people have seen this advert go up they have gone, oh you're bringing money into star wars legion you're bringing money into middle earth You bring you know you're you're destroying we're not we're giving an alternative choice yes it will encourage a much more competitive approach i know that but at the same time I have seen people at a tournament come to fisticuffs, as you'd say, a top table over pieces of plastic that they could have bought double for the price of the ticket that they got on with. Do, do you know what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say? Yes, we are going to be looking at uh, um, cheating policies. We are going to be writing up brand new policies based on all of this, on how we beha- believe behaviour. And we will have potentially a yellow-red card system so if you are found cheating, it's to toodaloo, mate. There's the door.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: it, so, it, it's,
1: it's going to be a challenge, I'd imagine, for you. Oh, but oh, but yes. an interesting but I one.
0: I any of it. <laughs> <because> <laughs> you are leaving out to someone else. to TO anymore. I've lost... I've lost the ability to spread myself that thinly to be a TO for MidAlert, for instance, or any other system. So what we're doing is we're bringing in professional TOs. We're going to be paying, whether it's uh, through a freelance program or through an expense program, we will be reimbursing TOs for the time, effort and expense to come and run the events for us. So in a sense, it's a bit of a shout out as well for all of the events that we're looking at. We are looking at to come in. Why am I saying this now? I'm saying this now because I'm giving some systems over a year and a half to get used to the idea and for some people to come forward and saying, yeah, these are my credentials, this is what I can do. And at the same time they'll have the support of the IGE staff and the directors at the events to help make things run smoothly. Will it work? Well, I think it's been tried a couple of times but I don't think anyone's done it as successfully as we're going to do it because there's going to be someone walking away with a thousand pounds. But let, let me um, clarify a couple of things about the thousand pound event. One is that each ticket entry is 50 pounds only which is comparable with a lot of events at this moment in time. We don't offer food because too many times have I seen people go, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that, and then they go out and they have to buy their own food anyway. So we'll give plenty of time for that. Um, and the other thing is, this is only for 50 people.
1: That was, yeah, so you've just hit my last two questions, yeah. F- 50... Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're right, no. I, I mean, I, I can re-record like my... no, I won't re-record. You've, you've basically come up to it. But yeah, so 50 people... £50, a £1,000 prize. So, I mean, these, these tickets are going to sell quickly, aren't they? Where, whereabouts are
0: you planning to host these these events? Element Games is where we're initially going for. Okay. So this is Stockport. We're going to be yeah. run... This is Stockport. And the reason it's there is I'm close to it. Uh, it's easy for me to get all the scenery because we're going to be supplying all the scenery. Yeah. Um, and so wherever we go, because of the IGE, we have the scenery to go to a school hall and set it up ad hoc there we have the ability to go to a conference hotel set it all up or we have the ability to go to a large venue like element games so what we're doing is and this this is the financial little trick behind it we're running two events per day 50 people max and if anyone wants to go away and look at the costs and stuff of element games they'll be able to break it on down to see uh, because we're running two systems and giving two thousand pounds away on that day, yeah, they can work out the rest. Yeah. And as a, as a company, in company's house, all our stuff is transparent. I've just had to promise my finance director I wouldn't go into finances. Too no, that's much. fine. That's fine. I, you know, <laughs> but... I
1: think it's interesting though that that you know that you can. Uh, this this it's it sounds potentially very exciting and big and um, i'm i'm guessing it's not going to be affiliated with the great british hobbit league or 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 is it i don't know
0: um no i it we haven't been approached okay um so if we are approached it is something that i'm quite happy to consider We're it's still a way off yet be. it it is it's 2024 so, um so the the bottom line is that eventually if we do get to one system per occasion, for instance, if Mid alert hits 100 people, then the prize fund goes up to £2,000, of which we'll be giving a second and a third place prize cash. Presently, it's first place and then trophy for second and third. If it goes to 100, it'll be um, trophies for all and cash prizes for first, second and third. And
1: I, and I, have, I have one last really important question, Dave. Of is it going to have? I mad? Uh, yes. It, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a fair question as well. But the question I was going to ask: Are you going to do a big comedy-sized check for the winner? Because if I if I'm going, I want to see you hand over a comedy-sized check to the winner.
0: Wouldn't you prefer if I just handed over a thousand pounds cash?
1: I don't know how exciting that will look. Is it going to be in okay. like a big suitcase? You know, is it going to be a, a duffel bag or an <laughs> well, envelope? I hate to tell
0: you. I hate to tell you. A thousand pounds will f- not fit into a suitcase. I know, and, and and unless I do it in coins, appropriately enough to make it dramatic, a thousand pounds will fit into a small A five envelope folded up. <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs> I, I I suggest you get the comedy-sized comedy, uh, comedy cheque just because I think it'll be fun. <laughs> and we
0: can do that. But ironically, I think we can also do that so the cheque would be legitimate. Can you? Oh, well, hey, even I better. I think so, yeah, because, I mean, we, we are. We, we, ha- we have our own uh, uh, bank account and stuff like that. We're, we actually have our own website on Shopify as well. Yeah. So we're all very, very professional. Well, there you go, Dave. Well, I,
1: I I think (laughs) that is your task. You've only got a year to sort out. You know the, uh, however many fourteen events a year, thousand pound cash prizes, the WTC this year and next year, all the terrain and all the tos and all the volunteer tos you've got to find. All of that. That's that's nothing. You need the comedy check. That's what. That's what I want to (laughs) see. You know, if you attend,
0: I will get a comedy check for that. that? Even just for your attendance.
1: (laughs) Deal. <laughs> so there you go, Dave Nolan. There uh, talking to me a, a great length about uh, the etc and the WTC and uh, some of those the the sort of event circuit that he's got on the horizon, which could be really interesting. I'm 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 very uh, I, I'm kind of. I'm in two minds about this sort of thing because, on the one hand, it's great that there's these huge events that are, you know, clearly seeing that, uh, I guess, proving that there's a growth in the game. But on the other hand, I mean, I'm, I sort of asked Dave there a little bit about it. Um, you know, is this diluting the, uh, the the sort of theme and the narrative element of things? And um, so that's why I wanted to include um, the scenarios in the, uh, you know, in this podcast because I think. Uh, essentially, that you know, both of them can sit quite happily side by side, and I hope you have enjoyed the contrast between the two things—the sort of fun that we've had with the scenarios and the talk of uh, competitive gaming—and of course the hobby side, which, as a podcast, uh, I I very rarely go into. Um, I might mention that people have got lovely models uh, and things like that, but I don't often talk about uh, that, other than the fact that I just really like. The models that I'm painting at the moment or whatever it is so uh, I hope I hope that you feel that uh, it encompasses everything uh, you like in a hobby and you know let me know let me know if you you prefer less of the big uh, long interviews with them um, or tournament organizers that's fine I mean I'm not actually likely to talk about it again for a while uh, in this sort of scale um I, I did try and arrange something to speak to uh, James Clark from Articon about this sort of thing and uh, it's just it's just uh, almost impossible to pin down he's like uh, a a wisp of cloud uh moving against the wind so um uh, i'm sure james i will uh have a chat with at some point again in the not too distant future about uh the various uh exciting developments at ardecon because um, of course you can't really mention big events without mentioning ardecon i mean there's i think there's something in the region of 180 200 people um with tickets this year um a, a lot of them uh, international as well which is even even more impressive um and there's there's so many things that he's putting on to make it sort of a special trip for people in uh, uh it, who international or you know someone abroad, like they're going for a big trip down to warhammer world in a minibus they're going to um manchester united's uh, stadium and things like that so uh, that's pretty cool for some people who uh, are visiting and just want to get a uh, turn it into a bit of a holly bobs so um yeah i, I hopefully we'll get a bit more about that in the uh, distant future sadly i don't think i'll be going to Ardecon this year because of wedding plans but uh You know, uh, I'll try and cover it in the podcast in some way, shape or form uh, if I can. Anyway, uh, that's about it. Um, uh, Just a quick uh, note about the Great British Hobbit League's um, teams system. Um, I believe, I I may be uh, proven wrong by the time this goes to air, but I believe there's over 40, um, uh, if not 50, uh, teams that have submit, submitted themselves into the Great British Hobbit League this year. So, t- fifty fellowships, or four, let's call it fifty. Uh, there's loads and loads of fellowships of people who are really keen to, um, to play in the league, to join together in a band of uh, friendship, and and try and see if they can, uh, you know, join together and make their team great, uh, and you know, contribute points to to Great British Hobbit League. It's 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 kind of an extra way of being uh, competitive, but more important to that uh, more important than that to me is that it's a way of people who don't do particularly amazingly at tournaments, like myself to contribute to a, a wider goal and that could be me improving just because uh, the way that this GBHL teams is structured is that there's um, nine players on your team and 10 scores will be contributed to the league. Uh, and each player can only contribute a maximum of two um, on the, sorry, the best 10 uh, scores. So, so essentially me improving on my score from the last tournament is could be enough to improve my team score overall enough to put us on a podium or to beat another team or those sorts of things and i think this the in games and in things like this you should always give yourself goals and i'm I, i'm just all up for this I'm really excited about uh, how the team does uh, the fellow bellies um, have been have graced the tops of the podium briefly and then um, and then fell quickly back the fellow bellies being the fellowship combined with yellow bellies because they're from Lincolnshire plus Alex from the battle camper because he doesn't have a home because he lives in uh, in the back of a van so we invited him to Lincolnshire to stay so um brilliant uh, that's that's all i wanted to say thank you very much again for listening to um entmoot and for those who really support it um via the patreon scheme patreon.com slash battle in middle earth and um, there are a few of you who support um who haven't yet had your um, dice trays I know some of you have uh, and some of you should have uh, if they haven't arrived yet let me know um, The basically uh, super patrons get the the dice trays and there's also goodies um, for new patrons as well um, there's an international ban on sending parcels abroad so if you live out of the UK Royal Mail isn't sending anything um, for a while so I'm, I'm looking into other ways of posting it but eventually it'll get there but either way if you want to be a patron join in um, it's great if not it doesn't matter I don't mind but I really do appreciate your support if you are supporting via Patreon it's fantastic with that in mind next episode is of course going to be the Grand Prix Um, it's only this weekend so uh, hopefully within a week we'll have another podcast on in your ears for your ears to wrap yourselves around so uh, I can't wait um, for the Grand Prix I'm getting really psyched up about it actually um, yeah I'm, I'm hyped so hopefully it's not a massive disappointment and I come away with six losses or something stupid. Um, having won the ticket for free at the last one gives it an extra little bit of spice and yeah it's just something about it so um, thanks to, again to Will for talking to me about it and I look forward to next episode in the meantime thanks for listening Boorah Rum <laughs>